Hello and welcome. This is Friend Request and I'm your host, Justin Lamb. This is episode six. I got to sit down with my friend Sarah and it was super exciting. Uh, we discussed some sensitive topics like miscarriages and abortions, as well as a lot of lighthearted stuff. And I'll tell you, her laughter is absolutely infectious and it was super exciting to edit this podcast because I got to just keep laughing along with all the jokes that we made. Um, you know, one of those few people that kind of share your sense of humor. Uh, Sarah's one of those people for me. So that was, that was a lot of fun to do this interview and hopefully you guys get as much out of it as I did. Maybe even more because I'm not a woman and she shares a lot of common women issues that, uh, obviously I can have an opinion on, but not really partake in firsthand. Does that make sense? It doesn't matter. Uh, I hope you guys enjoy it. Please let anybody know uh, if you like this podcast, leave us a review on iTunes or share it with a friend. That is the nicest thanks you can give me or any of my guests so you can spread the word and help other people uh, hear this and maybe get something out of it. I appreciate all the feedback and support we've gotten so far. Um, it's actually been crazy, so thank you so much. Please keep it up. You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. We're everywhere. Um, friend request pod or on Twitter, it's friend request JL. Whoever took friend request pod, how dare you? And without further ado, please enjoy this interview with Sarah. I'll tell you recently is that I constantly lose my train of thought. <laughs> I'll try to keep you. <laughs> so if uh, I like just look at you like, just help me where we're, yeah. what the fuck we're talking about. What, <laughs> what sentence I was saying. <laughs> I will do my best. Uh, but this might end up as a shit show because you and me are both going to lose. Her. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so then we just talked about Best Buy for like tw two hours. <laughs> um, <laughs> on the note of Best Buy though. So I know you. Just a quick recap from Best Buy. Um, you came from another store. To 407. Our store, right? 407. Which 407. one is that? Grash it. Oh, fuck Grash it. Um, <laughs> That's why I came to Auburn it's a road, Hill. not a city, people. <laughs> it's the Detroit store, essentially. Oh, boy. Um, That's what I used to have to tell people. That's too bad. <laughs> yeah. Um, and... We worked together there, and you were one of the few people and a handful of probably people scattered across my life that have a weird fucking sense of humor <laughs> and not a lot of filter on, on your language or content. I will say the filter has kind of kicked in That's over the good. last few years. It's mo mostly like I still have the most of the older. same sense of, sense of humor. No, it's more of like the hippie crap, unfortunately. Oh, I know. Sometimes I like get disappointed in myself and oh. I'm like, oh, I would have found that really funny like three years ago. <laughs> <laughs> still find it funny just not quite just like ha 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 yeah. about it other things i know about you <laughs> you love your dog so much uh super close with your dad very close with my dad uh so that's i mean that's we didn't really hang out outside of work no we laughed a lot in the admin yeah <laughs> listen to weird music so i'm gonna jump back to days before best buy or anyone do you uh growing up some of my parents <laughs> um, did you grow up in michigan yeah i grew up in east point born in east point born in detroit hey oh grash it <laughs> yep uh no i was born at st john mercy mm -hmm. in detroit um to dennis and lynn reber <laughs> so um no but i mean life was pretty normal i feel like until five 
um, which is when my parents divorced. So that was like the big yeah. in my life. Do you have any siblings? Yeah, I have um, older sister Amy. She is four and a half years older than I am. Okay, so she was almost 10 then? Yeah, she was 10. Okay. Like, there's a lot of times like I actually like remember slipping up and calling her mom after. So because my dad actually got custody of us, okay. um, which is here's a funny story. So, um, you know, in 1995, having a single father get custody of his two daughters is not yeah. generally not heard kind, of yeah. <laughs> or heard of at all. Um, but my mom is kind of, she has some issues. And, uh, but there's one day that she has this, this safe and I remember the safe being in my parents' room and she had all of her files in it. And I was learning like, to birth like, certificate. And all that yeah. All like, and all her legal stuff, like as they're going through the divorce oh, okay, and all, yeah, all, yeah. all the, the big files. So, I was learning to draw at this point and learn my numbers and shapes and yada yada. And apparently I drew a picture of the safe and my dad found it and on it were like four numbers and he went and tried those four numbers and it happened happened to be the combination. (laughs) And so he was able to get all of her stuff and like, I don't know specifically what he found in there, but it helped him to actually get custody of us. I learned that while I was helping Ryan through his divorce or not his divorce, but his separation with his baby mama, like asking my dad about the divorce and how he got custody of us and all yeah. this, like to help him. He like told me all these stories. And that was one of them. I was like, Holy what was, baloney. <laughs> what was going on with your mom? I mean, and feel free um, to avoid that question. No, it's like, okay. that, so, yeah. Cause like you said, that that's super uncommon in that day and age. Like usually it's either, super toxic situation with the mother or uh i mean typically that was the only thing i mean as a kid i got my parents divorced when i was four so (laughs) you kind of get that yeah um yeah i don't know at that time i mean like i know this the list of things now but i know at that time like she, she was struggling um she and i actually um i inherited a lot of mental illness from her and her side of the family um and i know that that was something growing up in her life like it was not talked about she didn't have resources she didn't understand what was going on in her head especially that generation yeah um on top of all the other problems that her side of the family has like she was the normal one which is like terrifying um but you know meeting my dad like it was like her her stable place so when they separated i know that she was going through like some some really tough you know mental illness situations what specifically those are i don't know but i know it made her uh mildly unfit to have us full time how often did you see her after the divorce so we saw her um about every it was about every weekend. Um, she had okay. like the weekend visitations, like normal divorced parents. Yeah. Um, whether we saw her every weekend or not was a different thing. So she job hopped quite a bit. So mm-hmm. when we were growing up, she was in insurance. When they got divorced, um, I know she had to like file for bankruptcy. And then she went to a few different jobs. Um, but like once she was like a long haul trucker for a while, (laughs) like, so if she was on jobs like that, like, you know, obviously couldn't see her. Um, then she was working construction for quite some time. Um, which is actually, she slipped a disc in her back in like 1997 and actually is on disability to this day because they they were never she really able to fix went it. against the gender norms in her job role yeah yeah <laughs> and okay. my whole life i guess that kind of makes sense yeah, yeah. um <laughs> what, what did dad do uh dad was a what was his actual title he, he installed uh fire doors 
Uh, he worked for a company called Macomb Fire Door uh, oh, okay. on Utica Road. <laughs> like on businesses and stuff? Or... Uh, yeah, so like yeah. commercial fire doors, so like yeah. those big giant metal rolly ones yeah. um, that you see in like schools, hospitals. He's got some wild stories of some of the places he had to go into. <laughs> like thinking of the logistics of that right now, but that's, that's beside the point. <laughs> <laughs> so your sister's older. I'm sure you guys had very different memories of that time. I don't think we do. Really? Like, I feel like we... My sister and I are very much similar people, uh, even though we've had, you know, we were very different ages at that time. Like, I feel like, you know, we have a a grasp on what happened um, just because, like, my my parents have been really open with us about their feelings about the divorce when we ask questions, like, even when we were younger up through now of kind of, like, how it went, what happened and all that. So I feel like... Yeah, she had to kind of take over the mom role a little bit sooner, but for the most part, you know, like we have very similar memories of how the timeline okay. progressed. Were you guys always sense. close then? As far back, or did you I get, mean, have as, a period as, of <laughs> as close as you know, siblings that are four and a half years apart yeah. can be. Like you know, we had the the obviously tough years were like when middle school, high school, early college, like that time was rough. Cause we were just like, what, what even are you like? <laughs> so she moved away, go to college. No, she uh, stayed at home. Um, and then my brother-in-law was in the Marines, but my sister was, you know, we kind of joke about my sister's kind of a shut in, um, <laughs> during those years. Uh, you know, Ken was my brother-in-law. He was in the Marines. So he was stationed in North Carolina. Went, this is when you were still in high school. This is when I was still in high school. Yeah. So she got married super young. She got married. They think they just did their 11-year wedding anniversary. So they were high school sweethearts. They got married. They got married on their nine-year dating anniversary (laughs) so that their one-year wedding anniversary was their 10-year anniversary. (laughs) There's a lot of math there. Yeah. (laughs) I I can relate a little bit. I got engaged on our six-year anniversary. Married four days before our eight year anniversary. Okay, there you go. Yeah, too Make much. Less too much dates to remember. And yeah, that's all within a few days of each other. It's perfect. If you say happy anniversary, you'll maybe nail it. Yeah, maybe I'm talking about this one. Maybe I'm talking about this one. Yeah, you don't know. Yeah. Happy anniversary month. See? There you go. Easy that's out. Easy out. <laughs> You're safe. So your sister stayed at home. Uh, normal the rest of the time, high school. define normal that's everyone so i've learned everyone has their own idea of what normal is um and every one of them is different you know it's funny two of the things you mentioned already my sister talked about in her maid of honor speech at my wedding like one of them was like um finding your normal Mm -hmm. and like finding your happiness in your normal um because everyone's normal is so different so (laughs) that's kind of funny i can't remember what the first one was but i was like oh oh you asked about how my sister and i got along and like she even mentioned and she's like you know you have the normal like sister rivalry but now we're best friends (laughs) were you guys do you remember you guys being super close like right after the divorce though like kind of there for each other sort of situation no no I mean, we, we co, so part of the other thing of growing up where, where I did was we grew, we grew up on Almond Street in East Point. Good old so, Almond Street. Good old Almond Street. <laughs> um, and then there was me and my sister 
next door to us were the Mitchangs, and there was Katie and Stacy, who were also about our age. And then across the street from us, guys. Yeah, <laughs> and then across the street from us were the Hamiltons with um, Dana, and then our littlest quote unquote brother Mark. Um, and like, so I was the youngest of the five girls, the Almond girls. Um, we range between like, I think there's like an eight year range between oldest and youngest and then our littlest brother mark who i think's five years younger than me so there was like i didn't just have this central house you know like i would go next door and, yeah. and cry to miss kathy you know my other mom like we even signed christmas cards like mom mom two mom three like call them all mom and dad um because i didn't just live at home with my dad it's and my sister it was, yeah it's the <laughs> the whole it takes a village yeah, like yeah. it took a village to get my sister my dad and my sister my sister my dad and myself through all of that so i think all of us came together instead of like just the three <laughs> if that makes sense yeah um let me rephrase my earlier question <laughs> uh instead of a normal uh like high school experience i did were there any like key moments that essentially helped shape who you are belief systems anything that you went through then that or good and then you got out of there and on to what's next i mean i feel like high school just like anybody's high school experience was either like super good or it was total crap like there was no really like gray area in between for me um i mean i was bullied like crazy um so i'm approximately 140 pounds now in high school i got up to like 168 um, which I carry all of my weight in my face and my hips. <laughs> so yeah, it was not a good look. And, um, I put mine everywhere. <laughs> I, I wish, I wish, <laughs> I wish it would like, yeah, come from my face down just a little further. <laughs> um, so in, but in high school, like, you know, I was the drum major of marching band. There Huge nerd. Yes. I know. I also played trombone, tuba trumpet baritone started your own ska band yeah, i could have <laughs> play every instrument yeah. if only like the video things we could record like one yeah. piece at a time existed then i'd have been a i'd be so famous for sure i'd not be sitting here no i'm just joking <laughs> no um, you would be i would just be paying you true <laughs> true you'd still know me um so okay so like i was uh, super bullied so i was one one quick story here is i was like drum major of the marching band right so in the summer we're at band camp i'm standing on a podium in shorts and the trumpet line all decided that my new nickname was going to be cottage cheese because super kind i have cellulite like any normal human yeah. and so they would like yell it from this you know, like from the middle of the field, like, oh, look, it's, it's fucked up when band kids pick on other band kids. Right? Aren't other, all the other kids supposed to pick there's, on? There's supposed to be a unity there, I, know. I believe. I, it happens when you're the leader of the band kids. Like, you are, you nominate yourself like queen nerd. <laughs> Rock on. Yeah. Rock I got, on, queen. I got to wear two capes on my marching uniform, uh, so. Yeah. <laughs> Who's laughing now? Yeah, Batman doesn't even have two capes, y'all. <laughs> um, so, yeah, high school. I mean, I think you describe a normal high school. Yeah, uh, you know, <laughs> bullied, uh, you know, had like experiences of like all my friends would, you know, get together and like purposely not call me, but they would hang out like across the street, like so I could see everybody's cars. Yeah, just we, we normal, quote unquote, yeah. like bullying, crappy teenager crap. Teenagers are <laughs> shitty. Teenagers suck. Um, you mentioned your mother, your mother's side, mental illness. Mm-hmm. Um what specifically and when did it kind of when did you start seeing it like looking back so usually we can identify it 
Yeah. Much um, later and be like, oh, that's what that was. <laughs> that's <laughs> what we were looking at when you like flipped out. <laughs> no. Um, so my mom, I know that she has personally recognized that she's had mental illness since at least her high school days. Um, but she's never vocal about it. Um, like my, my parents were married, um, for 10 years and like dated a little bit before that. And like my dad never knew, um, mm. until like stuff really went like south. Depression, at the anxiety. End. So she has, um, she's now diagnosed with, um, depression, anxiety, bipolar, agoraphobia, which is where you're afraid to yeah. leave your house. Um, as well as probably some other things that I might not know yeah. about. Um, I learned about a lot of this when I was actually her main caretaker a few years back because yeah. um, no one else could kind of help her out and she was not fit to help take care of herself. So I learned a lot about kind of her journey with mental illness and where she's at. And a lot of it did, for me did start to click of like, oh, I experienced that. Oh, I experienced that. Oh, I experienced that. And I'm like, oh, man. <laughs> um, but I was actually diagnosed with hereditary depression and anxiety in fourth grade. Um, wow. Yeah. That's a, okay. So, uh, yeah, I've been actually in therapy, um, in and out of therapy since I was 10. So, yeah. fun stuff. Woo. Divorce is awesome. <laughs> Divorce is um, so cool. <laughs> Not to say anything bad about therapy, though, because I fucking love therapy. Love therapy. <laughs> it's like my favorite. Find yourself a good one, folks, and yeah. go all the time. <laughs> Big fan. Um, so diagnosed fourth grade, diagnosed in what way? Like keep an eye on her or, or give her Prozac? Um, I was diagnosed in fourth grade. It was more of like depression. Um, not so much the anxiety. Anxiety was more diagnosed with uh, in like the last seven or, seven or eight years. But I was super depressed, um, you know, just weird 10 year old who yeah. like couldn't make friends wouldn't make friends people constantly picked on me um and so i was just you know overall an unhappy kid yeah. so it wasn't like i was you know I, I guess aware enough to be like oh i'm gonna kill myself at 10 yeah. but um i don't think i was on they don't think they put me on any like medications or anything until I was 15 or 16, okay. um, but I do know my first therapist actually taught me how to make grilled cheese. I remember her giant purple couch. She had a bowl of candy, and she walked me through how to make grilled cheese. It's the only thing I remember. Uh, I love That's grilled cheese. I know. I was like, what do you remember from therapy? Grilled cheese. Yeah. That same time period, parents divorced. What was their relationship like post-divorce? Like, was that... We don't talk to each other. We talk to each other when the kids are around. <laughs> I don't know in terms of like what their communication together looked like. I only like remember. Was, yeah, you're up. Yeah, I, you know, I was five. So I, I remember like, you know, my dad was heartbroken, heartbroken. Uh, I, I, I still to this day think he is deeply in love with my mother. Like, so she initiated the divorce. Yes. Okay. Um, so, yeah, she initiated the divorce. My dad was heartbroken. Um, and. You know, I remember, like, very, only very few times, like, you know, he'd do the probing for information, you know, like, because my mom did date after, uh -huh. um, not, like, immediately after, but she had a few boyfriends. She was engaged once at some point, um, and not, none of that worked out, but, like, my dad didn't date anybody. My dad has never dated anybody. That was when I was five. That was 24 years. 25 he still years. has it? He's never dated anybody. To wow. our, to me and my sister's knowledge, at least. Like, okay. And whenever we joke about it, he's like, <laughs> he's like, I've got my trains, I've got my garden, I've got my beer and my favorite brewery. Why would you want to add a woman and mess that up? <laughs> I'm like, 
Fair enough. <laughs> deflecting, Dad. <Yeah>. Deflecting. <laughs> Call your dad. Tell him to come over here. I want to ask him some questions. I'm sure um, he'd love it. <laughs> <laughs> so, you didn't. Even though they were divorced, you didn't get. Um, you weren't exposed to like any sort of toxic relationship between the two of them. Between the two of them, no. Like, I, I think the only really like toxic things like i remember a few like comments that like my mom made to me like when i you know was young and vulnerable like looking back it's like would yeah. you would you really say that to yeah. a seven-year-old like you know why'd you call dad an asshole no it, like one time it was um we were over her house on a weekend and her apartment and um i was you know throwing a fix i was you know six or whatever and i, I didn't want to go home yeah. and um and she told me at the time, she's like, you know, I've thought so many times about just like packing you and Amy up and getting on a bus and not coming back. And like, <laughs> at the time, I'm like, yeah, that sounds great. But now I'm like, oh, you know, <laughs> don't do that. Ma. <laughs> bad idea. Bad idea. Yeah. yeah. So like just like little things like that kind of stuck with yeah. me. But I don't know. I feel like it gives it's less of like super impactful on me more of like helping me understand who my parents are as human beings yeah i guess uh, so what's uh what's life look like after high school <laughs> weird <laughs> um Did you stay at home let's see i haven't thought about like right after high school in quite some time um not necessarily like the summer after <laughs> no i'm just like trying to think of like what how did i get where i am um how did i get here <laughs> Well, Do you go to college immediately? Do you go um, to college at all? Yes. Okay. Uh, I went to college. Did Where not graduate. But so, yeah, so after high school, my actual goal was to become a kindergarten teacher. Okay. Um, so so I, in high school, one of my first jobs, I started working when I was 14. Um, basically like a little part-time gig um, teaching piano to like three to six-year-olds. It was super Adorable. fun. Yeah. Like so, because I played trumpet and tuba yeah. i read both bass and treble clef so i could help them learn the lot you know the music notes and all that I'm sorry. Good. um it's so like helping them learn to read music and then there's this other guy who'd like actually show them the piano stuff so because all i can play is like mary had a little lamb with chords though yeah. um but yeah so i like i love doing that and like realize that i love teaching and like help seeing people learn stuff yeah. right and uh, so that was my goal so after high school i'm like okay i'm gonna go i'm gonna be in early education teacher of some sorts whatever <laughs> then i started working at best buy <laughs> where did you go to school uh wayne state okay. so i went i went there for like f four years okay. but i never graduated but i do have a lot of debt not a lot compared to comparatively speaking but how many credits are you away from a degree there i don't even know four years i mean you gotta be close <laughs> probably my biggest thing is i honestly i did not want to take a language I got by after like, getting into college by saying that um, music is a language, but then once you're in college, they don't accept that as an answer. They're like, no, you have to take a language. <laughs> so you're going to Wayne State, start working at Best Buy. Start working at Best Buy. Are you still at Wayne State when you start working at Best Buy? Yes. Okay. Um, yeah, so was working at Best Buy, going to school full time. Um, I started out at you know <laughs> as a cashier and... Basically, what had happened was I started learning how to sell um, instead of like learning how to do music or whatever. Like, I, this is the first opportunity I'd had, like, actually in front of people selling a product. Yeah. Um, and my supervisor at the time was like, 
shadowing me, watching me. Like we did contests and stuff, and I started blowing everybody out of the water. Like that that GSP Geek Squad sales. <laughs> Sorry Shout to out. anybody that's bought it. Uh, <laughs> but like, man, there was one day um, I actually got like recognized by the district. I can't um, got recognized because I had outsold at the front lanes GSP. I outsold in one day myself. Oversold. I don't know how to say this, oversold the computing department as a whole by like $2,000, nice. which I'm like selling $5 protection plans on yeah. headphones. They're selling $400 <laughs> ones on computers. Like, or rather how they're does, not. <laughs> oh, yeah. How does this make sense? Um, That's funny. Yeah. So like, so I kind of moved up in the ranks that way. Like one that I, I, once I learned how to sell, then I became responsible for teaching all of the new hires, even though I was just a part-timer. Like I was the one who had to teach all the new hires how to sell then got put into TVs. <laughs> the TV department. <laughs> That's okay. We, Home uh, theater. <laughs> then I think I, TV department probably make more sense yeah. to random people. And I'm like pointing behind me like yeah. the, like if I'm standing at the front the lanes, it's, it's in the back. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. It's, well, yeah. So then start working there. A uh, whole bunch of drama, drama, drama with no names named. Uh, and then I came to 449. So what's going on? <laughs> what's going on with you during college and Best Buy as far as the depression, anxiety, your body image? That's not where it got ugly. I mean, body image stuff like, you know, since high school, I've always had, you know, the some bullying, carried the bullying over obviously carried over. Like yeah. even now at 140 as a yoga teacher, um, I'm not in bad shape by any stretch yeah. of the imagination. I, I agree with that. Um, thank you. Um, <laughs> but I still have like body images where I, where like I look at something, I'm like, oh my God, I'm so fat. Or like, ugh. It's just, it's stupid. Or I see cellulite, and I'm like, oh my God, cottage cheese. Like, it's it's just asinine. But, um, but yeah, not, I guess not so bad through like the Best Buy days um, until I was working. Okay, so we have to backtrack from when I came to 449. I always forget all these little pieces that like lead up to stuff. Okay, so my hip problems. So this is how I got to yoga. So when I was working at... I remember this. Yeah. When I was working at Best Buy, um, 407, the garage store, I also took a part-time job working at Terry's Terrace. Um, what is that? It's a bar uh, in Harrison Township. Like, it, it's a lake... Or, yeah, lake Just community serving? people. Right. Yeah. So I was, okay. I was working in the restaurant side, and it's one of those, like... I think that everybody should wait tables yeah. at some point. Retail and, and service. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> and I was not made to be a waitress <laughs> by any means. Uh, so they took me out of the dining room <laughs> because I was so bad. Can't have you. And they actually just put me on the bar side so that I had less tables and less distance to go. Like it was really bad. Um, and I would literally like, go up to tables and be like, Hey, I'm Sarah. It's really nice to meet you. I'm probably going to be the worst waitress you've ever had, but we're going to have fun. All right. So, Disclaimer, guys. Yeah, I'm like, so if you need me, literally scream, wave your arms. I will forget, but we're going to have a great time. <laughs> um, I cleaned up well. But during that time, I, uh, I started getting these really bad pains in my hips and it started like affecting the way that I walk and um, I would get shooting pains like all the way from my hips down to through my feet up through my neck and um, started in like the right hip and then when I would limp and baby the right hip then my left hip would set on fire 
And I basically just sucked it up and dealt with it while I'm waitressing, carrying like multiple trays of beer and food over my head, working in home theater, taking giant TVs up and down, you know, Big Joe off of yeah. lifts and stuff. All things you should probably do with hip injuries. Yes, of and course. Oh, of course. And, um, dancing waltzing that's <laughs> yeah. also good. uh lots of jumping yeah. it's really good <laughs> so uh i'm like i went to the doctor they did like x-rays so for anybody who knows anything about anatomy so you have the femur the longest bone in your leg yeah. um and then connecting your femur into your hip socket is the neck of your femur the necks of my femurs according to this doctor i talked to like what 10 years ago um the neck of my femurs are both an inch inch and a half longer than the normal human beings thanks a lot but yeah but none of the fleshy stuff grew to support it so essentially i have arthritis it's like the easiest way they, they yeah. they've been able to describe it um so, you know, I'm walking in, in Best Buy and basically I'm shuffling like a 99-year-old woman. I recall. Yeah. I recall those days. <laughs> I have a, an old message save. It was like someone asked, uh, you know, oh, who is your salesperson? And the response was like, she was a pretty girl with a limp. <laughs> I was like, oh, that was Sarah. <laughs> oh, no. Sarah, they called you pretty. They called you pretty. They also mentioned your limp. <laughs> Um, I have two identifying characteristics. Super pretty. Can't walk can't right. Walk. <laughs> Got that pamp limp. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so like doing all this and like I was just at that point very depressed, very frustrated because I'm like, okay, I'm 20 years old and my body like does not work. Yeah. yeah. I'm in constant pain. Like it hurts to walk. It hurts to move. I can't pick things up. It's It was miserable. Um, so I really started to do this thing where I've learned it's very common of basically disassociating your mind with your body and it just becomes two completely separate entities. Um, it's very interesting actually, but, um, I was on arthritis medication. I was, I had like a cord, is it cortisol, cortisone shot? Yeah. Found out I'm allergic to those. Oh. Yeah. I took the paint off of the wall in the, um, the room. They did, <laughs> they did my left hip, which is usually less extreme than my right. Uh, they like had a needle that was like, I don't know. I imagine things like six inches cause I had to get, you know, all the way into my yeah, hip, that's crazy. you know, and you watch them inject it in, they have the thing yeah. and he's like, Oh, it has a numbing agent. You're going to be jumping fences and hurdles and it's going to be great. You'll be dancing down the street. <laughs> he did the one hip and I was like, Oh my God, that hurts so bad. And then he's like, all right, flip over, let's do the other side. I grabbed the wall, dug my nails in, and literally raked the paint off the wall because it hurt so bad going in. And then I stood up and immediately collapsed to the floor. Like, one passed out because of the pain, and uh, they Doc, found it out. it didn't work. <laughs> it didn't work. I am not doing hurdles. Wow. Um, could barely drive myself home. Couldn't work for the next two days because I couldn't walk. Mm. And then another thing, if you're allergic to those, it, and it's typically women, but you basically... Um, it feels and looks like you have a sunburn from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet. Oh. Yeah. So I was like sweating. My skin hurt and my hips. It was just, it was the worst. This is the good years. The worst. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that happened. So I, that's honestly how I got to yoga. So I started doing yoga in the mornings before I'd go into Best Buy. And it was awesome because I would go in walking like a 90-year-old woman. And the classes I initially took were with literally like 85, 90-year-old women. <laughs> so we all had the same mobility. Yeah, it perfect. was really fun. Made it way less intimidating <laughs> to walk into my first yoga classes. Um, but yeah, that's kind of how I, I, I came there. Uh, how's everything else going in the background? Relationships, uh, family, 
said you started taking care of your mother a little while back. That was a little bit more, more recently. recently yeah. yeah. So, um, okay. So Best Buy 407, hip <laughs> stuff. Your timeline is Best Buys. It, it, it's like, it, honestly, my timeline is best defined by what job I was in. Um, yeah. Did I you mean, have... family stuff wasn't too crazy. I was dating a, a guy who ended up joining the Navy. Um, so we dated for a little while there. And then once we broke up, then I started dating. Maybe that's a, co- maybe that's a topic we won't breach. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, so relationship wise, do you think, I mean, how were those relationships and looking back, thinking about coming from a family of divorce, things oh, you might've. I have a very firm belief that the people that come into your life are there to teach you a lesson either either to teach you a lesson or vice versa and (laughs) i could almost tell you exactly every lesson i learned from each person i dated and each terrible experience that i've been through it's it's really kind of amazing like when i feel like when i have that once i gained that mindset i'm like this is the lesson that i'm supposed to be learning from this experience um positive way to look at it it helps not be so bitter about things sometimes (laughs) Um, yeah, so my, uh, my ex who's, uh, in the Navy now very happily married, I'm very happy for him, but, uh, him with him, I learned I cannot do distance. I'm too needy. Right. So, <laughs> um, I, I have to have like the face to face conversations and someone to, you know, give a hug to at the end yeah. of the day, long distance, not for me. I imagine you were young at that time too. Yeah. We started dating when I was 17. He was oh, right. 21. He was, he lived in a frat house. How I got away with that one with if if you do interview my dad, ask him how he was okay with that because he loved this guy. He's like one of my dad's favorite boyfriends of mine. Like even my husband now jokes about it because my dad will be like, "Yeah, Rich, he was a great guy, great guy, great guy." And like in front of my husband, Kevin's like, "Oh yeah, Rich was a great guy." That's really funny. He was. He was a great guy. He was just far away, so yeah. it didn't work. <laughs> um. Then the relationship after that, that one, it taught me a lot. Um, I, there's a lot of, so that relationship lasted five years. Um, was he older as well? He was older, yes, by about six years, six or seven. Developing a pattern here. So. <laughs> it is a pattern. You know, it's funny. Actually, I have only dated, and this is including like fifth grade to now, I've only dated one person that is younger than me. And it did lasted for two weeks. <laughs> I I dated two people younger than me, and I married one of them. So. Oh. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that so five year relationship, like I learned so much that it was very interesting. So like one of the biggest things I learned and got to take away from that was uh, during that time he was going through a rough period with his ex and getting child support you know having to pay child support and back pay child support and custody battles and and all of that um so like that part of our relationship i'm I'm actually very thankful for because one i learned a lot about kind of how that process works and how biased it is towards women um which i always feel weird as a woman saying that of like no like this is not how the system should be um but i also got to learn so much about my father my their my parents background and how my sister and i came to you know where we're at um and it was just really eye-opening of kind of like the history of their trauma and how it did shape us um of just like little things that you know obviously as 
five and 10 year olds, we had no idea that was going on. Yeah. Um, so it kind of helped me understand the real world a little bit more. Um, and I, during this time, I'm between like, you know, 21 and 25. So he has a kid. He had a kid. Yeah, she was uh, two when we met. Um, Were you guys living together? We did live together. Um, So I moved in with him probably about a, I would say about a year after we started dating. Um, And it was partially because of like the child support situation. Like it was so volatile between the two that if the court had ruled in um, her favor, he wouldn't have been able to afford to live anywhere. Like it was, it was really bad. Um, and, uh, yeah, so that was one of the reasons like that started the conversation, um, for me to eventually move in was like, let me help. Like I'm in this kid's life. Like it would be bad for the kid for you to lose your house and have to move yada yada. Um, so it, it just became normal, I guess. Plus I was there all the time anyway. So it was like, okay, now my stuff is here too. So, yeah. um, and then we, uh, after, then we ended up buying a house. Well, he bought the house up in Oxford here and we lived together there for a while. What was your relationship like with the child? And then was that really great for you coming from someone that originally wanted to go into early childhood education, having that in your life so quickly after the college experience that you were, that was, um, I loved that girl. I still love that girl. Um, it's funny is like her mom and I actually are still kind of friends, um, which at the beginning of that whole relationship, like we probably would have stabbed each other's eyes out with an ice pick. Like it was terrible. Um, but now it's really cool. Like she's married. Um, she got married actually a week after I did and then just had her second baby. So like I get pictures of the baby and the pictures of Are you my still in the ex- kid's life? No, oh, unfortunately. Okay. I get updates and like I sent her a book for her 10th birthday and like, you know, she sends me like, oh, she did this and she's going into this grade and she got an A on this test. So like I get little updates. Yeah. Um, but it was tough. I mean, like it, it really opened my eyes a lot personally um, having her around of what I want out of my future, um, in terms of like children and how I would raise them because I was basically like a participating bystander, right? Like I'm the fake step parent in the yeah. situation. Um, and I'm teaching her how to read cause she was two when, when we met. So I actually potty trained her. Um, her parents couldn't get her to potty train. I potty trained her in a weekend. Wow. Um, yeah. And it's funny. It's like, I still, people like talk about potty training their kids and I'm like, this is what worked for me. And they're like, Sarah, you don't have a kid. I was like, let me tell you. <laughs> um, the big key, you got to take them to Meyer, let them pick out their own underwear with their favorite characters, oh. let them buy them themselves. So like I gave her my debit card, you know, like she was three. So she Here's was my pen. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I maybe put that part in, <laughs> but like I gave her the money. So she actually got the experience of buying them herself. She carried the bag out to the car and into the house. We changed. And I was like, all right, now you can't pee on Dora. <laughs> what are you going to do? Pee on Dora's face. That's not cool. Yeah potty trained <laughs> done grow up and she's constantly afraid of peeing on oh, i think that's a i feel like that would be a mildly healthy fear fair enough of all the list of my fears. friend died of a jellyfish sting i wouldn't pee on him it was terrible i was too scared <laughs> um so being around his kid did that i mean did that bring up your own like desire to have children at that point Yes and no. It honestly, it, it, so growing up, um, 
before meeting him um, and having her in my life, had you asked me, like, Sarah, what are you, what's your life going to look like? I would have told you, I'm going to be married by 25. I am going to have two children by age 27, but I want to eventually have three children. I'd love to have two boys, one girl. Like, I had it worked out. out. <laughs> Here I am, 29, childless. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, I, it, I had it worked out. But being in their life, it, it did. It made me realize, like, not just how hard it is to, like, in terms of, like, time and being tired and waking up and changing sheets that have been peed in and changing diaper, like, doing all that stuff, yeah. but just mentally exhausting of, like, I don't know, teaching a child stuff that's, like, how do you not know this? <laughs> you know? I learned that it, my patience is not not always there. Um, Has that evolved now that you're married and so, a little bit older? Um <laughs> Right now, uh, and I think for the, the future, like my husband and I, uh, Kevin, we we joke about that dink status. You know what a dink is? No. Oh, uh, double income, no kids. Double yeah. income, no kids. Yeah. yeah. It's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, honestly, like, so after that experience, uh, you know, it, it took me off of the fence of like, this is my life plan. I'm going to have three children, yada, yada. And it made me start questioning, like, is this right for me? Like, yeah. do I have, because I, I started seeing patterns in my own behavior. Um, when I was losing my temper and losing my cool with her of toxic behaviors that I learned that were learned from my parents. Right. Cause nobody had a perfect upbringing. Yeah. Like, you know, and everyone has bad, bad habits. What's an example of that? One example that I am not, proud of by any means uh, but the child was safe uh i don't remember the circumstances i think it might have been like around the time where she would only talk in that whiny voice no matter what she was saying yeah. she was whining about it and <laughs> and I, I i lost it like i sent her to her room and like i got so mad that i like picked up a hanger and i whipped it at the wall and i was like as soon as it left my hand i'm like this is not healthy, you know, like yeah. little things like that, where it's like, I could feel myself losing my temper. And like, I, I, it worried me of like, how else can this come out? You know? And yeah. like, I would never want to put her or another child in a situation where like I lose my temper. Um, I think we met after I kind of got my temper under control. It <laughs> used to be so bad. Like I, <laughs> what was triggering you with that? Like what, what, where did that come from? Was that stuff? My dad. <laughs> Does your dad have a bad... My dad is a terrible temper. Like, I, I could sit here for the next two hours and tell you, like, stories that are now hilarious of my dad losing his temper, yeah. but, like, at the time, we're like, oh, my God, we're gonna die. Like, one time, our, our vacuum cleaner... <laughs> I, w I was in charge of vacuuming the house. My sister was in charge of doing dishes, mostly because I couldn't reach the sink at the time. So, I was vacuuming the house, and we had to do it before my dad got home from work. And, uh, so one day he gets home from work. I'm trying to vacuum. The vacuum catches fire. Oh. The belt in it, like it was, you know, old ones. So yeah. It had old rubber belt. It was like inherited from my grandma. Belt catches fire. The whole house is like, smells like burnt rubber and smoke. My dad flips out, grabs, <laughs> grabs the thing, rips the plug out of the wall, walks to the back door, puts it over his shoulder like a javelin and literally whips it. Um, my neighbors, the Mitchanks next door, they have a window that extends way farther than our house. And like, 
I don't know. I, I don't know the approximate distance, but it went flying past their window. She's like, yeah, I just remember looking out the window and I saw the cord fluttering behind the vacuum cleaner as it flew across your yard. Nice. Yeah. So I didn't learn uh, healthy habits of dealing with my frustration yeah. and anger, like healthy outlets for it. Well, part of it was probably like, it's okay to act this way if it's really bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So... Not good and healthy coping mechanisms. Yeah. Uh, so what, what changed that? Yoga. Okay. Yoga. Um, so yeah, so when I started my yoga classes, like it was basically a prescription. Like I, I did it at, because I'm like, okay, I'm so miserable. This is my last resort before yeah. I completely snap and lose my brain. <laughs> um, and so it was like a last resort. So I went into it for the physical aspects of it, yeah. not you know just thinking of it as like the madonna that's what super supermodels do it's like yoga that's the hippie whatever junk um i was like okay if it's gonna help me walk i'll give it a shot so started doing it after like six months i remember being in you know shavasana the last pose where you're just like laying on the floor going after you know you've done the actual it's the practice only pose i do it's laying on the, the floor. fast <laughs> pose <laughs> Um, I learned uh, a while back that yoga nidra, it's literally an entire class where all you do is lay in shavasana. It's amazing. I don't know what any of that means. Okay. No, so yoga nidra is called, it's yoga sleep. Okay. And then shavasana, um, translated to um, Sanskrit, is corpse pose. Because you're literally laying there and like some, in some... like traditions they'll say it's like you're practicing for death you're practicing stillness and peace of mind for death and I was like, oh, okay um but yeah like the yoga nidra yoga sleep like it's basically the teacher doing like some sound meditation some guided meditation um or just like giving you space to be just be <laughs> it's pretty cool um but yeah i remember like being in shavasana and like you know her kind of taking us through uh, like a little meditation of like, um, you know, inhaling light to surround, you know, and it sounds like, a, you know, some yeah. hippie mumble jumble, but in, you know, inhaling light to surround any areas of like yuckiness, negative thoughts, negative feelings in the body and imagine exhaling, letting it go back out into the room. Yeah. So out of your body. So it, you know, no longer serves you. And I remember like doing this and just literally feeling like, all this weight came off my shoulders. I remember like literally feeling like I melted into the floor of like just pure relaxation. I was like, what type of voodoo just happened? Um, and I found the more that I went and the more I paid attention to like those types of pieces of the practice, yeah. the calmer I felt, the more I was able to like when I would start getting anxious or really frustrated and instead of throwing things at walls, I would practice my breath. So I'd practice, you know, the yogi breath, breathing all the way down to the belly, like the th called yeah. three-part breath. Like I found myself practicing that like in the admin in Best Buy of like, okay, <laughs> I just need to breathe. Yeah. Um, and I was like, holy crap, this practice really is something. And I'm like, if it can help me, it can clearly help other people. I'm like, yeah. I need to it's do excellent. this. Yeah. <laughs> so... That's kind of how I decided I wanted to be a yoga teacher, too. I got to say, uh, I feel like you keep trying to discredit yourself by calling things hippie mumbo jumbo. Because <laughs> it's, yeah. if it's something you believe in. I do believe it. It's, yeah, it's tough, though. So one of my, I mean, I guess current struggles in, in life is, you know, even my husband, um, you know, we met before I did my yoga teacher training. Um, 
and my personal transformation over the last just two years has been insane. <laughs> like I'm such a different person than I was. So when I talk to and hang out with people from my past that I grew up with, even like the Almond family, mm. um, it's sometimes really difficult for me to navigate because I feel like I've changed so much and mm. have such different beliefs and values. And not to say that theirs are wrong or different or that I'm like spiritually, yeah. you know, superior, but it's it's just different. Yeah. And so going back and relating to some people who haven't necessarily like taken those journeys to grow and expand and, and do those things, it's very interesting to kind of try and mesh those worlds. So yes, I do discredit myself quite often because I, I found that it helps to release some of that tension of like you're a hippie i don't know what to say to you i think all of what you believe in is garbage yada yada like those types of things um i could like, you you could say so you may be projecting that people believe that before you actually know that they believe that and not everybody obviously yeah. there's people you know it's it, well, yeah but. i think it's, it probably comes from like the the majority of the people I know really well who yeah. like question the things I'm doing. Like, it's kind of a defense mechanism. Yeah. Or, yeah. Know. And so me being slowly like, slowly introducing yourself. Well, it's me. also like, <laughs> Im, um, I had the feeling the other day in a, a training of like imposter syndrome. Right. So I went in this room, um, it was a Reiki training through Beaumont hospital. And like, so I'm in this room with physical therapists, with nurses, with, um, people who work in hospice, like all these different, you know, people who have degree, you know, actual degrees yeah. and further degrees beyond that. Um, and then there's me who I'm like, I didn't graduate college. I'm a 200 hour yoga teacher. And like, to me, when I look at that, it's like, okay, cool. You're another white girl seeing if you can try and help out. But it's like, it's, so I feel like that imposter syndrome going in and trying to learn these things so that I can help people. So yeah. again, it's easier for me to discredit and like put myself down a little bit so that I don't let my ego get away with me or let that become part of it. I don't know. Is that a legitimate concern though? I mean, have you had things where you think your ego has gotten away with you or is it just something that you use as a rationalization to kind of put yourself down and keep yourself down there instead of boosting yourself up? I'm not, you're going to make me think, am I in therapy? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I just, I, I, I have a lot of experience with rationalizations. <laughs> um, <laughs> and one thing, especially that I've taken away from this is, uh, being open to, cause I have to, like, when I talk to people like this, I have to be open-minded. Like, I can't sit here and be like, yeah, tell me more about that. Fucking weirdo. <laughs> like, that's not going to work. Um, so I've heard stories uh, about things that I... I'm not typically a partaker and believer in, I don't want to say believer because I'm not necessarily talking about religion and stuff, but, and then just yesterday I caught myself, someone told me, uh, oh, I applied for this job, but you know, I'm not telling people cause I'm probably not going to get it anyway. I was like, don't say that. Like you got to put that positivity out there. Like you, you have to like manifest, put it into the universe. But, but if you would have asked me if I would have said that sentence with a straight face and believed it, two months ago <laughs> no. no not a chance and uh and i noticed that and i was like what, what the fuck did you just say <laughs> but the the more surprising thing was like i believe that like i believe I, for whatever reason <laughs> and it's not 
super comfortable for me to admit that. And it's and I'm not gonna go like. So before you leave, we're gonna light some sage and some incense, and then uh, I but, have some sage spray in my purse. I love it. it. Smells really good, actually. Um. But one thing that I've been working on, uh, and I'm holding a crystal in my hand. <laughs> And I have one around. I saw the one around your neck. And I have another one in my pocket. And probably like six more in my purse. Own it. Own it, Sarah. (laughs) Own it. And that's uh, that's a big thing that I've been working on is uh, my vulnerabilities. Uh, Do you know Brene Brown? (laughs) I know the name. Um, She is... I don't remember her credentials. But she's got a special on Netflix right now. But she also has a TED Talk on vulnerability. Hmm. Uh, Highly recommend watching it. Because one of the reasons I started this too, this podcast is vulnerabilities are typically looked at as weaknesses especially by the person with the vulnerability Mm -hmm. Uh, but what can be found and you can talk to any recovering addict um, or anybody going through the program far enough along that that vulnerability can become a strength the more you talk about it yeah Um, it's really strange for me to listen to someone like Dax Shepard like nonchalantly talk about being molested as a child but he's taught he's told that story so many times it's just like that's part of my story so yeah. one of the things that, um, this is something I'm trying to get out of my vocabulary is, uh, let it go. So one, we had a whole conversation in, um, my yoga therapy, uh, class. I, I still don't know what to call it. My yoga therapy school. Um, either one, either one. It, it's just, it's weird. Cause it's like Beaumont school of yoga therapy, but I don't, anyways. So one day we were talking about, um, how like in the the sutras which is like what they it's like the textbook for yoga it's like yeah oldest one of the older texts and kind of explains like the yoga practice what okay. what's supposed to be like and we're like going through it and one of the things in there is basically talking about how you're incapable of letting things go your body your mind it's incapable of letting things go but what you can do is make it part of your story yeah. as you own it you make it part of instead of in a bad way, this is part of who I am. Say it's, you know, say it's depression. I could say, Justin, I suffer from depression. I am depressed. And that is my whole identity. You can meet me and say, hi, I'm Sarah Reaver Kelly and I'm depressed. Um, or you can take it, make it part of your armor and say, yes, I also, I suffer from depression, but these are the things that I do. These are the things I do to keep myself healthy and safe and yada, yada, yada. Um, but even like those big major things where it's like, just let it go. It's like, no, don't let it go. Yeah. Analyze it. Feel, see how you feel about it. And then figure out how this plays into your bigger story. So I, I have a couple things I want to touch on. I'm going to save that one for a minute. But because something you said, you said, or the last two years alone, your transition as a person. And anyone that follows you on social media, you can see that you've definitely like opened up about some things as far as, uh, I mean, some of the stuff you've talked about with yoga and you've been putting videos of you doing yoga and stuff on there for a long time. Um, and what's that transition been? What, what was you, what were you before? What are you now? How'd you get there? What happened in the middle? So I think one of the biggest things that kind of started the upward motion of of life was kind of i hit rock bottom um and my rock bottom was after a terrible relationship um i was dating this guy uh different than the other people we've talked about so far um (laughs) to qualify that and he if you define narcissist um he fits the he fits the bill and like that's not just me being you know a jerk and bitter about it like there are very clear 
defining traits of his personality that would put him into that bucket. Um, he, I was mentally abused. Um, so this is another place where like my body issues came into place. Like <laughs> just stuff that like, I think about it now and I'm like, what? Like one day we were walking through the mall and, uh, I dress comfortably. I always have, like, I, I won't wear it if it's not comfortable. Yeah. Um, and like some days, you know, you see my hair today. I did not wash my hair today. Uh, and I'll sometimes wear makeup. I sometimes won't like I, Same here. I, pre- <laughs> that's good to know. <laughs> I present myself with how I feel that day. So, um, this guy did not like that. Uh, and one day or so we're walking through the mall and I'm wearing like jeans and a t-shirt. My hair is probably in a ponytail, whatever. And this girl walks by and she's drop dead gorgeous, like gorgeous. She's wearing, you know, pencil skirt, high heels, button down. Her hair is like long and flowing and perfect, perfect face of makeup. And he's like, man, (laughs) he literally turns to me and says this. He goes, man, I really wish that I had someone like that on my arm all the time. What? Wow. Yeah. Or like days I'd show up to, you know, we, we also work together pattern there. Um, was he older? <laughs> I lie. He also was younger than me. That, no, that was one of his downfalls is that he was so much younger than me. Uh, it was only three years, but it seemed like 20 between our maturity levels. Anyways. Um, yeah. He'd say stuff to me like, you know, if I had my hair in a ponytail, it's kind of like mean girls of like, didn't you wear a ponytail the other day? Like, ugh. What, what um or like yeah you look better you know you shouldn't wear your glasses to work because you just don't look good like stuff like that and so i ended up like this terrible shell of myself yeah, it was great it was really bad um and like he refused to meet my family like wouldn't let me meet his it was just the weirdest situation like outside looking in i'm like what were you doing with your life for this yeah. this year like it was yeah, but I learned a lot. Yeah, I mean, you didn't hit bottom. You got pushed down there. Yeah, it was, it was weird. I will say, though, and here's like, I have to find a silver lining. He did help me out of a lot of really tough situations because um, this was after I, I left my ex. And so this is my first time out by myself on my own completely. Um, and there were some times where I, I dug myself a hole, you know, having to go out and buy, you know, all new stuff. I didn't have towels or silverware or plates or yeah. I had like a useless old non-working radio from my grandparents from like the 60s i had elmer's dog bed and a futon that i got from a friend i didn't have a bed i had nothing so i had to start my whole life from scratch um i was working at i dashboards at the time and i dug myself a few holes and i was like "I, i have a very i have a lot of pride you know like growing up not with a lot of money it was tough it's tough for me to ask for help yeah. in those situations and there were some times where i was like i couldn't afford to feed my dog and i was like and i would rather i can starve that's fine but yeah. if my dog is starving like that's not good um so i like lost it and he did come and help out and like i know that that's part of the reason that he was in my life at that time again finding all the lessons yeah. and reasons um was to help me literally and financially survive through those like really tough months let's be clear he was also a dick yeah he was not <laughs> There's no amount of money that affords him the right to treat no. you. No, the there is not. Does. No, there is not. But and wanna, that's that. If I, anyone's listening, that's in a shitty relationship. I want to make sure that point is get clear. Because yeah, that's, run away. <laughs> you are worth more money than silverware towels and yes, dog, dog food. food. <laughs> yeah. To be fair, Elmer does eat very expensive dog food. <laughs> but, besides the point. Besides the point. No, run. 
run call me i will help you give you money get out of there (laughs) um yeah so let's see so that brought me to my my lowest of the lows um and then uh i kind of you know did some dating around here and there like learned more of like what i was not looking for out of life um actually dated somebody for a little bit that shined a lot of light on um, bipolar disorder for me, which was very interesting, the timing because of my mother. Um, he was around at the same time I was helping out my mom a lot, like with doctor's appointments and medications and, and all this stuff. And uh, he like gave me a book to read and he was going through a manic phase when we were dating and like wrecked my life for a hot minute. It was, it was an interesting time. <laughs> Um, fun, but probably not the best choices were made at that time. Anyways, so, you know, like I had this whole like kind of rock bottom living life, figuring things out. And then, um, met this really awesome guy on Tinder. Uh, his name's Kevin. You swiped right. I swiped right. We actually have Kevin and I, uh, so we met on Tinder, have our very first like few messages framed in our bedroom. (laughs) That's adorable. <laughs> Thank you. It was uh, it was his anniversary, one of his anniversary gifts to me uh, last year. It was That's awesome. <laughs> He's like, he had to admit to me. He's like, I had to uh, reactivate Tinder so that I could go get these. <laughs> and I just want to let you know, because I, I didn't want you to like somehow see this or like find out that I reactivated Tinder. I'm like, Kev, like I, I trust you. We're good, man. <sighs> I also had to reactivate my grinder account. That was <laughs> Same reason. There's another thing with my my crappy ex. Yeah. He actually had Bumble on his phone and would be like, "I I just use it to troll girls." What? Like what? And he got mad at me. He How long were you in that relationship? A year. Idiot. Yeah, he like gaslighted me when I got mad at him for having Bumble, you know, a dating app on his phone while, while were we were exclusively yeah. dating. Yeah. Um, he gaslighted me and made it my fault. I was like, okay. And I believed it at the time. If things are not your fault, they're not your fault. Yeah. <laughs> Don't let someone tell you otherwise. It's <laughs> would be very preachy podcast. <laughs> That's fine. Um, there's a lot of lessons to be learned. I've got lots, yeah. <laughs> Outside of your relationships, what were you doing to like improve yourself, your outlook, your perspective, your your mental health over the last couple of years when you started getting better? Um. So I'll say like my yoga practice and all of that kind of fell to the wayside during like that rock bottom because one, <coughs> excuse me, I couldn't afford to go to yoga in Birmingham, Royal Oak, you know, where I live. Um, and you know, it just, it became less important. I, you know, you, you get out of those good habits and then you're like, Oh, why am I so miserable? It's like, Oh, you stop doing all the things that make you feel good. Oh, um, but no, honestly, once I met Kevin, uh, you know, like I don't know exactly how, but like my love for yoga kind of like picked back up and we started talking more and more. And I was like, this is, I've wanted to be a yoga teacher since I started practicing yoga like 10 years ago. Um, Just never had the money to do it because it's essentially the same as buying a college course, right? Like, uh, I think my, I don't know, it was a lot. Um, And I did it in Costa Rica and I was like, even then I I didn't have the money, but we went... (laughs) It's funny. I don't remember the exact reason why, but I went and got the psychic reading um, at Blue Crystal up in Oxford. She's amazing. And she was like, 
And I, I'm, like, very skeptical. Even though I'm, like, into all this stuff, I'm yeah. so skeptical of it. I'm, like, prove it to me. So, um, yeah, so I'm, like, talking to her. And she's, like, Sarah, she's, like, I see you, like, teaching classes. Like, teaching people. Like, groups of, like, five to seven individuals. She's, like, and you're the one, like, writing the curriculum. I was, like, what? I was, like, I want to be a yoga teacher. She's, like, this makes sense. She's, like, <laughs> she's like what I'm seeing and feeling is, like, it's very close up. It's very personal. Like, you're looking people in the eye while you're talking yeah. and teaching to them. She's, like, you have, you have stuff you have to do in this arena. And I was, like, yeah, but I don't have the money. She's, like manifest it she's like put it out into the universe manifest that shit she's like you need to do this um that was october and then um october i had the reading and january i was in costa rica for my 200 hour which is awesome and that's really like those that those that time like is really where the the whole trajectory started like i became vegetarian um partly 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 because um the place i went to for teacher training it was full vegetarian meal and i'm like oh my god like i'm gonna have like withdrawals like getting all this crap out of my system blah 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 and i've talked to some people who like when they stop eating meat cold turkey no pun intended they like literally like will wake up with like night sweats and like withdrawal symptoms from from meat and i'm like yeah i'm not dealing with that while in costa rica um so yeah, so I've been vegetarian since then, like which has been a huge lifestyle change yeah. um, for you know Kevin and I, because um, he's not vegetarian yeah. and I do most of the cooking. That's our so. that's my marriage. Oh really? <laughs> yeah. My wife's been vegetarian for a couple of years now, Hi. and uh, yeah, I'm not. <laughs> but so you go to your <laughs> yoga retreat, you become a instructor. Yep, I am a registered 200 hour yoga instructor. Um, and while I was there, we, they, like, one of, like, the extracurricular things, I guess you could call it, um, at my training was, they call it, like, yoga massage, and I was like, I want to learn this, because it's, you lay on the ground, and then they move your body for you, and, like, hit some different that's pressure true. points. That's, that's right up my head. Yeah, and right I'm like, head. yeah, if I have to do nothing, like, <laughs> sign me up for that, um, and then during that, I also received Reiki for the first time, like during this, this yoga massage and it was mind blowing. Like it was so cool. So I also went to, um, Costa Rica after some severe trauma. Um, and I don't know if you want to get into this. I'm happy to get into it if you are okay to get into it. So yeah. like I said, feel free to not, no, I, can, yeah, absolutely. I can edit everything. <laughs> Um, no, so I have, uh, I've experienced, uh, quite a bit. And so I, uh, I've experienced a miscarriage, um, which, you know, at, at the time I didn't know I was pregnant, um, and, uh, had a miscarriage. And at the time, had I known I was pregnant, I would have kept it. Um, which these are all very interesting things for me to think about now as, you know, where I'm at in life. Um, but you know the relationship I was in at the time, and thing you know the way that things were going, like I would have one hundred percent, that would have been it, yeah. um, and my life would have been completely different. Um, and it was a terrible experience, you know. Like you do all of the oh I did this wrong, I did this wrong, and you play the blame game. Um, but really, like it's one of the biggest things with that was finding a community. 
you know, finding someone you can talk to that you trust of like, this is what I'm going through. This is how I feel. Um, And at the time it wasn't my partner. And if it's not your partner, there are some red flags. (laughs) There's some red flags. Um, But being able to just openly talk about it, you know, again, how I was feeling, the physical and emotional trauma that I was, you know, that I was going through. Um, Because it happened in a public place. I was at work at Best Buy um, when it actually happened. Um, And it was right before like a staff meeting and it was, I gotta go. I gotta go. Yeah. And like, and even my doctor who was a male at the time, um, again, don't talk about trauma and just inappropriate things to say. So, you know, I'm in that, I'm in the doctor's office, I'm getting checked out and, you know, making sure that everything came out and not everything's healthy. And, you know, I'm upset about it. And he goes, he literally says to me, he goes, well, did you want to be pregnant? And I was like, well, you know, I, I didn't know. Sure it's not your yeah, I'm like, well, you know, I'm like, I, I, I didn't know. I'm like, but had I known, like, I, you know, but have been a different conversation. He's like, well, you're not now, so it doesn't matter. That's so fucked up. And I just like sat there and just stared at him, like, what? Yeah. Like what? Um, people just, I don't know where people dig this stuff up where they think that this is an okay thing to say. Yeah. Um, but yeah, empathy goes a long way. <laughs> Even if you don't mean it, a pat on the shoulder and it's like, I'm sorry you're going through this yeah. means more than anything. Like, yeah. Also, doctor, know your place. Yeah. Like, that's, you this don't is, get to ask that question. Was weird. This is the doctor that actually delivered me. Like, he was oh, wow. my mom's doctor. Yeah, weird. Um, that, that makes slightly more sense just because that, if that question was asked, you know, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, I feel like people wouldn't think too much of it. Yeah. Like you see that, I don't want to relate things to like pop culture, but I feel like if you saw a doctor in the movies in like a 1980s set movie and he said that, that's what doctor would say. Especially an old man doctor. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, no, that's that's obviously. That was less. Not rationalizing his No. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So. Yeah. It really sucked. It really sucked. Um, so, you know, I've been through that coming out of it, you know, after that relationship ended and like all that, like right now it's like everything happens for a reason. Yeah. This is, this is why, like, you know, and it, it taught me a lot more empathy to be able to talk to other women about experiences that they're going through. Right. Um, and then after that, uh, I found myself pregnant and I chose to have an abortion, um, which, you know, a lot of people kind of, like, balk at, especially when I tell them, like, yeah, I had a miscarriage that I would have kept at the time, and then I was pregnant again, and I was like, nope. Um, And there was a lot that went into that decision. Um, And not that anybody ever has to justify their decision for doing it, um, but it's not... I actually have a T-shirt that uh, it's, like, um, never an easy choice, always a hard choice always the woman's choice yeah and um you know there's there's a lot that came out of that as well um so i was diagnosed with ptsd after um the experience um during because i chose the procedure i don't know how informed you are of the different options of um abortion but there's two (laughs) to put them in a nutshell one you can basically take a pill um at home and it'll help you pass it almost like a a miscarriage um at home or you can choose to do um the surgical you know um i can't remember but vacuum okay you got it (laughs) do i know this um so i chose for my my own mental health um just just like knowing how i process things i was like i couldn't do it at home um just knowing how i internalize trauma and like trauma in a certain 
physical locations. Yeah. So like, I'm like, if we did this, I would never be able to go to that place again. Yeah. Um, so I chose to do the, um, the medical procedure and you know, they, they drug you up, give you some stuff yeah. to try and relax you. Uh, but it's very invasive. Like you're literally having something taken from you yeah, I can't and I panicked and tried to get away and they held me down. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, lots of, lots of trauma there. Yeah. Um, and honestly, like it, it, for a long time after that, like during my yoga practice, uh, I would be triggered, um, quite often. Anytime that we did anything in the hips, cause again, store those issues in your <laughs> tissues. Hips are like the mother load hips of a, being a mother, right? Rotating <laughs> theme with you. <laughs> yes. They keep, my hips don't lie. So like, yeah, any hip openers, anytime I f- did a yoga pose where it made me feel anything in my stomach, in my core, yeah. I would lose it, like just completely lose it. But honestly, the biggest thing I found um, and is you, you got to talk about it. You I was going to say, did you have a you support have system? have to talk about these things. Um, so at the time I had, you know, my, my partner um, at the time is just so incredibly supportive. Yeah. Um, it actually opened up a lot of really interesting conversations um, because I feel like as men, um, I feel like the, the general thing I've noticed is that men don't feel like they have opinions in the situ- in this yeah. entire conversation, except for the ones that are writing the legislation. <laughs> But, <laughs> but, um, but the normal Joe Schmo, like I, when I talk to him or, you know, the situation, the conversation gets brought up, they either have a very firm stance of what they believe. And usually it's like, okay, but why do you believe that? Or they are like, it's not my place. I don't have a decision. Here's what I discovered though, is when a lot of these conversations were happening of like what pro-choice means and what pro-life means and yeah. all that. Um, talking to some of my male friends and my partner, even at the time, I was like, you know, he, his thing to me, um, cause he was the first person I told, like, it's not like it was yeah. like a secret and I did it behind his back or anything. Yeah, like yeah. I, I told him like, this is our situation. What do you want to do? Yeah. And his immediate response was, I don't want to keep it. And he's like, Sarah, he's like, I 100% and will support your decision whatever you choose to do this is your body and i understand like it's it's not an easy thing he's like but no matter what you do i fully support you and i will be there and i was like looking back on it we had this very similar conversation and i was like you do know that means you're pro-choice right like you have an opinion but you want other people to make the choice for them i'm like that's pro-choice he's like really? I'm like, yeah, guess what? You have a say in this conversation. Like it's, it, yeah. So any men that are listening, like you have a say, um, help us women out. (laughs) Um, so that, that, that was really interesting. But I also learned through this experience that like, not only are there such limited resources, um, for women in general, but the lower your income, the lower your benefits, the less, the less stuff you have. Um, and I learned this just through sitting in the clinic, um, right. Cause it takes it, the whole day takes forever. Um, sitting in the clinic, I was talking to these other women and the, the one that I went to was down river. So there was, you know, more women of color and, um, you know, very, very different backgrounds and stories. Everyone has their own story of how they got to where we were at that, that yeah. day. 
and just listening to their stories and like what they were going back to afterwards it it broke my heart and it's like you know some of them are on their third or fourth and some of them have four kids at home and like it's just it's it's crazy um but again that's why i reiterate no one has to ever give a reason for why um but learning through that, like I learned that there's just not many resources. There's not support systems, um, you know, inherently in place. And talking to, you know, some of my friends about it at the time, it was mind-blowing. Like there's some people that I've known for 10 years, you know, and as short as like two years. And I, I brought this up and I'm like, hey, guys, like, you know, I'm really struggling with my mental health right now. This is what I experienced. I have, you know, PTSD and I have this going on. And, uh, you know, I, I had an abortion and it still chokes me up thinking about how many of my friends that I know personally see daily, weekly, monthly, yeah. they're like, yeah, I did too. Yeah. I'm like, what? Way more what? common than people. It's so common. Yeah. You know, you see the, the one in three, like yeah. that's been, you know, all over the place. But like to actually have your friends like admit like, yeah, last year I yeah. had I had that happen. And like it breaks my heart being like, you went through that alone? Yeah. You w-, like, and they're like, yeah, nobody knows. I'm like, how? How did you do that alone? Like, I, I, I don't understand. Goes back to, I mean, compartmentalizing. Compartmentalizing. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's it's really crazy i had a falling out with a friend um who also had an abortion and she had a child um and seeing one of my you know one of my friends pregnant um you know it it stirred up quite a bit of you know that emotion in me of like okay you know how would i have been when i was three months pregnant how would i have been when i was you know where she's at now how would i have been with a toddler and you know kind of seeing my close friend go through that after knowing her experience again it was like just crazy and then like we talked about it because when i was having a little bit of a hard time i was like you know i kind of expected you to understand a little bit more of what what i'm going through since we did share this this experience and she's like honestly i forgot that that happened like that i did that her husband had to remind her like when she they were doing like stuff for their current child um she forgot that she she forgot she had had an abortion yeah like there was what she was telling me a story she's like yeah like i looked at our our uh credit card statement she's like and there's this crazy charge on here and she's like husband what is this or boyfriend i don't know what he was at the time you know what is this charge and he had to remind her of what it was and like then when doing like paperwork because you know when you get pregnant they're like is this you know have how many yeah. birth you know how many live births have you had have you had you know yada yada and she forgot about it and her, her husband now has to be like uh hey <laughs> check that box <laughs> you, you've been pregnant before it's like it, it's very interesting how different people compartmentalize but oh. i think think that like the more friends and women that i've talked to that have experienced this again everyone experiences it completely differently everyone has completely different reasons all valid but how they deal with it after and how it affects them as individuals and then some of them now as mothers and how they view their current child like it's it's so interesting but i think that the biggest thing missing is excuse me the biggest thing missing is 
that sense of community of like, no, it's okay. You have friends that have gone through this. You have a support system, but you have to be willing to be vulnerable and say, hey, guys, this ask for help. This is what I'm going through. Please help. Please support me. <laughs> I mean, talking about miscarriages, too, from the people I've talked to, it sounds like that's the same situation. It is. And I think there's, uh, like so many other things that we've talked about, uh, there's a level of shame that you associate with some of that, and then mm-hmm. you don't want to talk about it, and then... Going back to the very beginning, all that just bottles up inside you, and then and then your, your body's your a pile of crap. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, so what I also mentioned earlier to you, like how this kind of like correlates directly to the nonprofit I want to start. Like, yeah. So, so yeah, let's change gears. Change gears. So you're you want to do. Well, I mean, I don't know what you want to do. So I was like, I don't know. Do you know? <laughs> <laughs> I did some pre-work. Um, no, what, what is it you want to start doing? Here? Okay, so I'm still working on how to fully articulate it because this thought honestly came to me like less than a month ago of how I want to p- put all of this na- knowledge together. So, right, so my yoga teacher training, my life experiences, I'm in the Reiki training, I'm in, I'm registered for a training through the Connection Coalition for Trauma-Informed Yoga. Um, I am then also going to be doing a end-of-life doula training, which I'm very excited about. Um, but all of these things, I was like, okay, what what am I actually doing with this? all this information? Like, I'm learning all this stuff. And I found that the thing that I needed the most was the sense of community, these uh, the people to talk to, to share experiences yeah. with, to have conversations just like this, right? Without maybe headphones and microphones, but, but to just have very honest conversations about things going on in your life, how you're feeling, how you're doing. Um, and so my kind of thought idea is I have so many people like Stacy, you know, even of people who have gone through things, have life experiences, um, you know, Stacy's really vocal about um, like women's health in terms of like the reproductive stuff yeah. and all that, which I don't know if you guys talked about, but yeah. um, awesome. Um, I've reached out to her in in this capacity. Um, you know, I have I have other friends who struggled with you know severe infertility and have done IVF. I've had you know friends with just so many different life experiences. So my goal is to um, basically bring us all together, and I want to create a space that is. How did I put it the other day? Um, a safe, non-judgmental space to be heard. Um, so, like in my in my head, like a vision is basically like having this open space, maybe with like almost kind of like a house, right? So you have comfy places to sit down, okay. chill out, bean bags, whatever. You have a kitchen with a big island, um, and have people like when they need solace or somewhere to go that's non-religious, it's non-therapy, it's free, it's accessible, it's affordable, and have somebody there to just listen. Yeah. Right. And, you know, there's obviously I can listen and empathize with people who have gone through these same experiences with chronic pain, abortion, miscarriage, uh, you know, whatever trauma, like and potentially offer resources. Right. So um, doing Reiki or yoga therapy, just deep breathing yeah. and some of those tools to work through those things, but also be a resource of okay, now what? So if you, you come to me and you're like, I went to the, I had this crazy, terrible experience. I just need to get it off my chest. Talk to somebody, you know, obviously I'll be hopefully be able to help in some capacity yeah. and, and hold space for that person. 
but um, you know, I wouldn't be their doctor, their therapist long term, yeah. but helping them find the right resources, kind of being like an advocate of like, okay, let me help you yeah. to help yourself. Um, and, you know, there, again, there's just so many people I know that have like these little tools like Reiki or massage or, you know, um, like with Stacy's the uh, nutrition coaching, like yeah. just these little tiny things that are such big lifestyle changes that can help bring positivity and change and like that sense of community to people who feel completely alone. Like I remember after my abortion, the number one feeling that I felt was just being completely alone. And I knew I wasn't the only one who experienced this situation, you know, this, this thing, but how do you even go about talking to people about that and where I found the strength to do so? I don't know. I, I I truly don't, but I'm so glad I did because I've been able to let people share their stories with me, um, their personal stories of their experiences with it. And kind of like you were saying, like, this is the most humbling thing you've done. Some of those conversations are the most humbling moments of my life. Um, and again, just allowing people to share that space and be heard, have their hear, they have their story outside of their their head. Yeah, um, is so powerful. And so, like, yeah, oh, being able to open that type of space, have you know, be able to have some space for nature, do art stuff, like just give people An a outlet. space to be, yeah, to yeah. just be and exist and not have to worry if they want to talk awesome if they want someone to just sit there and hold their hand fine like you know just a, a safe space yeah. um and what i would love to see is you know i have some people who might be able to help me start getting it off the ground in terms of funding yeah. but what i would love is like being able to buy some land have a place and then have it be like donation based of people that it's helped you know like okay the this group and I don't have like a name or anything for you, yeah. but Sarah helped me get here. Now I want to help her help other people. Right. Yeah. So then funding it through the people that have already been helped. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, so that's kind of like my, my, that's very high level. <laughs> um, and that's where I'm like 2020 is where I want to start chunking it out of like, okay, how do I even start this yeah. path? Um, but it's cool knowing that I have so many people with so many awesome experiences in my pocket that like, I've already reached out to of like, Hey, this is something I'm thinking about on a very large scale. And they're like, yes, this is needed. Absolutely do this. That is a, that's a common theme that's come up on here. Just when I talk to people that have gone through, uh, we'll just generalize say trauma. Yeah. Uh, especially for women, there doesn't seem to, well, I've interviewed mostly women, but um, there doesn't, the common thing is, uh, and some people I've talked to online, that there's not a lot of resources. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I kind of mentioned earlier, you don't necessarily want to just go on Facebook and be like, hey guys. Yeah. Because <laughs> like, I mean, there's support groups and there's stuff like that, but yeah. even sometimes that's like, you know, you still are putting your face with it to a yeah. group of people rather than just like one-on-one. And there's people who can't afford therapy, but being yeah. able to at least just say your experience out loud, I felt is so freeing. Oh, and yeah. like, or even helping give the tools of like, you know, let's, let's sit and journal together. Let, let me make yeah. you a meal, you know, like just those little like comforting things that help yeah. you feel like a whole person again, you know, whether, you know, no matter what, trauma you've experienced like i want to create that safe space yeah so and the more you talk about it the more strength you have over it instead of it having exactly because you can't let it go can't let it go it has to become (laughs) part of your armor awesome (laughs) um i don't think i have anything else for you unless i did i miss anything you want to talk about 
I don't know. What was that list I gave you? I think we've covered most of it. <laughs> we have covered most um, of it. I picked out a few key things. I think we still circled back around to about just about everything on there. Yeah. Uh, it's all because of my hips, man. <laughs> if I end up titling episodes, I'll write hips. S- Sarah's hips do not lie. <laughs> Singles out this fall. It's, yeah. <laughs> These are the hit. reasons for all my trauma. <laughs> um, where are you teaching yoga? Um, the Fit Park. It's in Ferndale. Okay. And it is the best place. I take these off because my glasses are... <laughs> all right. I hope you enjoyed my interview with Sarah. Uh, I, like I said, had such a blast talking to her. Um, and the things we went into are fantastic. And I feel like... Uh, she speaks so organically about some of the experiences in her life uh, that it's it's great to listen to, and she has some great opinions on a lot of different stuff. So I hope you guys got a lot out of that. Uh, you can follow her on Instagram, S. Reaver Kelly, or uh, maybe you can sign up and do some of her yoga classes, or anywhere else you want to follow her. Search her out. Stalk my guests. No, maybe don't do that. I don't want. I don't want to promote that. Uh, but Sarah's a fantastic person, always posting um, a lot of affirmations and yoga stuff and all-around positive or realistic uh, takes on things. So I highly encourage it. And like I said at the top of the episode, you can follow us on Instagram and friend re- <laughs> Instagram and Facebook is what it's called, uh, at friendrequestpod or on Twitter, friendrequestjl. I hope you guys like the content we're putting out there. And if you have any recommendations on content or guests or anything else, topics that we can discuss, I'm sure people out there have stuff going on the same as you. So reach out to me, let me know, and I will talk to you guys next week. Thanks for listening.